Thank you, Jesus, for the cross this morning. Thank you that no matter where we're coming from, Lord, you have uh, paid for every one of our shortcomings. You've given us strength. You've given us a new life to live today. And I thank you, Lord, for this opportunity to get together on a Sunday morning. I thank you that uh, we're safe here. I thank you for a, a space and a nation for us to meet together. Lord, I, I thank you for this specific group of people. I thank you for this church. I thank you for everything that each one of us brings to this body. And I thank you for every situation too, God, the, the good ones, the tough ones, everything in between. Lord, I thank you. We just stand thankful this morning. We stand thankful for your presence, thankful for the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Lord, I thank you for your word. As we open up the Bible this morning, Lord, would you speak to us, Holy Spirit? Thank you that these aren't words on a page, but you're living and you're active and you're ready to speak to us. I ask in the power of God that every single one of us would leave different than the way we came, that we would be encouraged, that we would be challenged, we'd be built up, and we'd be ready to go. In Jesus' name. Everybody said amen, amen, amen. Give somebody a hug, a high five as you sit down. Amen, amen. Hallelujah. And great job, team. Thank you. Anybody else want to thank them with me? That was awesome. Way to go, guys. Thanks for serving us. Everybody grab your Bible, either the one on your seat or the one that you brought or the one on your phone or whatever else you got going on. Bible, notes, pen, a smile, anything else. You guys ready to... Uh, hear God speak something to you this morning. Amen. Good, good. Uh, Matthew 28 is where we're going to be. If you've been in church the last few weeks, that ought to sound familiar. You've been there. If you didn't know that, then gotcha. You've been skipping. Bill Freegie's taking count back there. Everybody who's skipping. <laughs> Matthew 28 is where we're going to be this morning. All right, as we get started this morning, um, I want to let you know that uh, this morning, this message, the, what, what I want to kind of go after this morning is I want to go after a mindset, a mindset. We're in this series called 50 More Days. Uh, that we we uh, started last week together. Jesus took 40 days after his resurrection to continue appearing to his disciples and telling them about the kingdom of God. And then he ascended it to heaven to be with the Father. Ten days later, the Holy Spirit came to earth to live inside of Jesus' followers forever, including you, which is so cool. So 50 days, 50 days between the resurrection and Pentecost, Jesus took 50 more days because his life, his death, and his resurrection weren't enough to get the point across that this matters for your life. We want to take these, uh, this series, 50 more days, and we're kind of asking this question, okay, Jesus, you took these 50 more days, but what does that have to do with my everyday? Because I don't know a whole lot of people who are raising from the dead and then sticking around for a while, but I would imagine you wouldn't do that for no reason, right? Surely it matters for us, these 50 days, Amen. So we're, we're going after this series, and what I want to go after this morning is I think Jesus wants to address a mindset uh, that, that we ought to have as the followers of Jesus. So um, sometimes we, we, we uh, on, Sunday, on Sunday mornings or whatever, we'll, we'll look through the Bible and say, Jesus, what are you trying to teach us? What, maybe what's a lesson? How does this impact my circumstances? But today I kind of want to zoom out and go after a mindset. So if you love super practical things... This may not be super practical. My, my goal this morning is to kind of do the like bird's eye view thing. Is that making sense? And then you take it and you work it through into the kind of on the ground sort of stuff. So you already have an assignment. Welcome to church this morning. Does that sound good to anybody? 
Cool, so we're gonna go, we're gonna go after we're gonna go after our mindset this morning. Because when when our mindset, our circumstances can change, right? They can go high, low, we can kind of ebb and flow with them. When things are going bad, it's kind of easy to, to not be going, not be doing too well ourselves or ask a lot of questions. But when we have the right mindset, it will mobilize us into different circumstances so that we can kind of understand what we ought to do as we, are, as we are followers of Jesus in the midst of different circumstances. So Jesus is going to straighten out a mindset for us this morning. We're, we're in Matthew 28. If you're there, say, I'm there. You're there. Awesome. Matthew 28, we in verse 16. Last week we stopped in 10. We're skipping a few verses. Verse 16. Now, the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. You remember that from last week. Jesus says, you got to go to Galilee. We talked about that last week, that when you're at the end of your road, just remember the last thing God said, because he's going to meet you there. you got to go to Galilee. Verse 16, they are in Galilee. They've finally gotten the memo. Forty days later, they're in Galilee. Verse 17, and when they saw him, when they saw Jesus, they worshipped him, but some still doubted. Don't know how you do that. Hopefully that wouldn't have been me. Verse 18, and Jesus came and he said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore... Everybody say, go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I'm with you always. Say, always. always. Say, always. always. That means always in the Greek. That's a joke. I didn't actually look it up. I'm just assuming. It's encouraging. I'm with you always to the end of the age. Jesus meets them in Galilee. He gives them this charge. And this morning at the top of your notes, I want to give you the, the title for, for this mindset that I want to talk about this morning. Last week we said, you got to go to Galilee. This week I want to talk to you about, you got to go to Chick-fil-A. Somebody say amen. amen. I know it's Sunday, you can go tomorrow, but you got to go to Chick-fil-A. You got to go to Chick-fil-A. Have you ever met somebody who's never been to Chick-fil-A? Of course you haven't. Because everybody's been to Chick-fil-A. You don't know anybody who hasn't been to Chick-fil-A. Everybody loves, everybody loves Chick-fil-A. It's, it's all the rage. Everybody loves it. And if you have kids, your kids are hardwired to love Chick-fil-A. I don't know what Chick-fil-A did, but they managed to get into the code of children on the insides and wire them to love Chick-fil-A. So everybody loves Chick-fil-A, especially parents with kids. Rose is obsessed with Chick-fil-A. Every Monday, uh, we go on a lunch date together, and it has to be Chick-fil-A every week. If we don't go to Chick-fil-A, it wasn't a date. Like, literally, we'll get home from being somewhere else, and she'll be like, Daddy, I want to go on a date. I'm like, we just went. But it wasn't Chick-fil-A. Sometimes Costco counts because the hot dogs are delicious. But other than that, it's mainly just Chick-fil-A. So the interesting thing about Chick-fil-A is if, if you're trying to figure out, like, I, I've wondered, like, what is it about Chick-fil-A? What's the Chick-fil-A it factor? Because other places have, like, play sets, you know. Uh, McDonald's, all kinds of other places. Other places have fries, even waffle fries. They've got chicken nuggets, milkshakes. I mean, there's nothing that they have that only Chick-fil-A has. I don't, I'm trying to figure out what, what the it factor is, but the, the thing about Chick-fil-A is if you've been to Chick-fil-A, you know that it's different than everywhere else. If you try to explain it to somebody, it doesn't make sense because there's nothing really that different, but if you want to understand what's different about Chick-fil-A, you just got to go to Chick-fil-A, right? Because once you go and you experience it, it just clicks. You can't maybe clarify it, but it's just, there's just something about going to Chick-fil-A that makes it stick out. Are you following with me? Everybody, any Chick-fil-A fans in the house? Raise your glass in the back. Thank you. (laughs) 
There's just something about going to Chick-fil-A. Like I said, you can talk about Chick-fil-A all day long. You can tell somebody about Chick-fil-A all day long. And you can even have Chick-fil-A takeout, but it's still not the same thing. You don't understand it until you just go. You just got to go to Chick-fil-A, which clearly has everything to do with Matthew 28, 16 through 20. Jesus is obviously talking to us about Chick-fil-A, right? These are Jesus' last words. So what, what, what do these words have to do with, have to do with going to Chick-fil-A? So here we are in Matthew 28. These are Jesus' last words as recorded in the book of Matthew uh, that he is telling, his, he, that he's sharing with his disciples. It's a passage known as the Great Commission. So this is, this is a big, big passage for Christians. Like, you, you may have heard people say, like, it's, it's Jesus' last words and our first priority. You know, it's like, wow, the Great Commission. This is a big deal. So... Jesus is making a big point here at the end of 40 days of appearing to people. He's been talking about the kingdom. And this is, this is kind of the last hurrah that he has with his disciples. So clearly, it must be important. He's telling them, this is what you got to go do. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. He says, says all of these things. So as we pick up the, the great commission here, there's something that sticks out to me that I think is the mindset that we want to go after. Because Jesus, last week, he told his disciples, okay, you're stuck in a room. You're stuck in the last thing that you did. You're stuck in your failures. You're stuck in what you don't understand. But remember, before you even screwed up, before you even could get discouraged, I called you ahead to Galilee. You remember this. He says, I want you to go to Galilee and meet me there. So, so last week it was go to Galilee. I want you to meet me there. He meet he meets them in Galilee. He, he talks to them about these things. The crew's back together, and we get the Great Commission. I want to read it again, just a little bit of it here. Verse 18, when Jesus is speaking to his disciples, Jesus came, and he said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. That's a big statement. You ever said that? Probably not, because that'd be a bold-faced lie. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Jesus is making a radical, radical statement here. And his next two words are incredible to me. Go, therefore. Go. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go. I think as Jesus is meeting up with his disciples before he ascends to heaven and leaves, leaves the planet in the flesh only to send his spirit later, as he's having these final moments, he's saying, all authority in heaven and earth has been all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me, go, therefore. He's having, I think, a moment that's similar to a moment that you may have with somebody who's never been to Chick-fil-A. Just, you gotta, you gotta go. You gotta go. He, he's saying, you, you, you gotta go. You gotta go. Because, you know, that moment with Chick-fil-A, you, you've talked about it, you've tasted it, you've done all these things, but if you really wanna understand it, you just gotta go to Chick-fil-A. Jesus is saying, guys, you, you've been with me now. You've been hearing me talk about the kingdom of God. I've showed you the kingdom of God. I've given you understanding on things that nobody has ever understood before. I've revealed new things to you about who God is, about what he's like. You've seen miracles. You've seen signs and wonders. You've heard teachings. You've spent time with me. I'm, you have walked with God in the flesh. But if you actually want to experience the fullness of this kingdom, you got to go. You got to go. This last word that Jesus has for his disciples is, is an instruction, but I think he's dealing with a mindset. He's saying, I, I need you to understand that you need to shift now from a mindset of observation to a mindset of participation. 
If you really want this whole thing, if you really want to know what it's all like, it's not just about following me around now, watching me do everything, having me do all the miracles, having me do all the teaching, having me do all the signs, having me do all the stuff. I want you to go. If you really want this life that I came to give you, you got to go. You got to go, guys. It's time. It's time to move out of an attitude of where you just come to, come to church on Sunday and watch me do everything. I want you to go. I think it's a mindset that we need to have that Jesus is underlying for us today as we look back on these 50 more days that Jesus took. What does this have to do with my every day? Well, every day, if I want to experience the kingdom of God, I got to go. I got to go. I got to go do the things that Jesus calls me to do. We have to go do what Jesus did. All through his ministry, he, he alluded to the fact that, guys, I'm doing all this stuff, but you're going to take the baton and run with this. He would say things like, you're going to do everything you saw me do and even greater things. The teacher's leaving the classroom now, in a sense. And he's saying, guys, if you want it, if you really want it. I mean, these are the guys who have been with him. They know him. They've seen him do everything. But still, they, I mean, they never missed church, never missed a podcast of Jesus. They had all the notes. They knew it all but they still were going to fall short of everything that Jesus was calling them to if they didn't go. This is a mindset I want to talk about this morning. You just got to go. If you're a follower of Jesus, we're not going to step into the life that Jesus has for us in the kingdom of God until we go. We've got to move out of an attitude or, or a mindset, or we can't have this picture of religion or Christianity or following Jesus that means, well, if I go to church, I'm tapping into the, everything that God has. We've got to move out of just, let's watch the professionals do it. Well, Jesus, used, well, Jesus could heal, but maybe we can't. He said you're going to do greater things, right? We've got to understand that this kingdom, Jesus was opening a door for us to say, I don't just want to show you what I can do, I want to show you what I can do through you. You got to go. You got to go. Matthew 28, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go. I want to do a little bit of an old-fashioned Bible study. Anybody like studying something? Is there any, maybe three people that are okay with that? We One, two, three. Perfect. We're going to do it. If you are familiar with church, if you've been in church much, or the, if you just know anything maybe about the New Testament, there's a word maybe you've heard before, um, and the word is apostle. Can you say apostle? Apostle. Okay, awesome. It's, it's used a few different times as we go through the New Testament. Uh, there was a bunch of people that followed Jesus that were called disciples, but only 12 guys were called apostles. Um, one of them was Judas Iscariot. He's the one who betrays Jesus, and then he actually goes and kills himself. So they're like, well, let's replace him. So they replace him with a guy named Machias. And then after that, later on, a guy named Paul, if you're a Christian, maybe you've heard of that guy, uh, wrote most of the New Testament. Paul is also an apostle. So it's a, it's a title given to a handful of guys in the New Testament. Um, but also later on in the New Testament, in Ephesians chapter 4, um, Paul, one of, the, one of the apostles, he's writing about um, spiritual gifts. And he's writing about some spiritual gifts that, that he says that Jesus puts on individuals in the church for the sake of the church, for the sake of building up the church. He lists these five gifts, and one of them is the gift of the apostle. So it's a title given to a few guys. It's a gift given to the church. It's kind of hit on in a few different 
in a few different places in the Bible. But what, what is an apostle? And why, why are we talking about this this morning? The word apostle, it, it means sent ones or, or messenger or something like something, that idea. That's what apostle means. It comes from a Greek word that I don't even know if I'm pronouncing right, but apostolos or something. I think it's actually a Greek name. Like that's, that could be your name if you were Greek. So it's, I'm glad I'm not apostolos. It's like I would have to like wear a crown or something. I mean, it sounds intense. Anyways, apostle comes from the Greek word apostolos. And so when it's translated in the Bible or um, as words have become derived from that over time, other words that, that you can use in place of apostle are words like ambassador or messenger. So this is the idea of an apostle, an ambassador or a messenger. And Jesus, um, and, and, and as, as we look through the Bible, when this word is used, it's not, it's not at all, like I'm saying, it's a Greek word. It's not at all a Hebrew word. Jesus uh, was a Jew, and he was talking to Jews most of the time, but he still used this Greek word to communicate to them who they were. It's kind of an interesting thing. So he takes a Greek idea of this apostolos to communicate, this is who you guys are. This is who I'm calling you to be. In the Roman culture, in the Greek culture, apostles were similar to how we would see an ambassador, somebody, a delegate of a, of a state, of a nation, or just an, of an emperor in general. Somebody who would be given a title uh, of the apostle, and he'd be sent to go to other places that the Romans had just conquered so that he could establish Roman culture in these new places. So he would go, un- he wasn't the emperor, but he would go under the authority of the emperor. If he said it, it was as if the emperor said it. If he said, this is what we do, then the emperor was essentially saying, this is what we do. So apostles were people who were sent out from Rome to go establish Roman culture, Roman world in new territory. So an apostle, obviously, you would think that an apostle was somebody who had probably spent a lot of time in Rome, who knew Rome well, maybe even knew the emperor. But for an apostle to fully live out what he was called to be, he had to leave Rome. Can't really, I mean, you can have the title of apostle in Rome, but you're not really functioning as one until, until you leave. Is that making sense? So these apostles, Jesus takes this Greek idea to communicate to his disciples who, who, who they are and communicate to us who we are. And I think just like these Greek apostles, they could carry a title in the midst of Rome, but they weren't fully functioning in who they were called to be until they left. And I think this is the mindset that we have to have. I want you to say, I'm an apostle. Does that sound, is, you can, we can do it. You're going to say, I'm an apostle. And now I want you to tap your neighbor who won't say it for themselves. Say, you're an apostle. Jesus is, is making a point here in these 50 days that, that you're not just followers, you're sent ones. You're not just disciples. You're not just people who follow me to do the things that I do. I'm now sending you to establish what you've seen. In Matthew 28, verse 18, Jesus says, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. That sounds something like maybe an emperor would say or a king would say. Jesus is staking his claim. He's making his credentials clear as the ruler of the universe. And his next word, go. This is who I am. Now take who I am and go. Go. Go establish this kingdom that you've witnessed. Go establish this kingdom you've been living in that you've seen, that you've tasted. Go establish it in new places. Go establish, walk in the blessing of God and take it places where it's never been before. 
As Christians, we are an apostolic people. We have to have this rhythm in our life where we are expecting to go. We are expecting to go. And sometimes I think that we can forget this call of Jesus to go, and honestly, we can get caught up in just wanting everything to come to us. Or just live in a life where we just kind of come places. We, we come to work or we come home, but we need to go to work. Jesus is saying, I want to call you to go to work. I want to call you to go home. You know, there's a, there's a difference in the connotation of, yeah, I just kind of came home. To like, no, I'm going to go home, right? I'm going to go home. I'm called by God. I'm called by God to the place that he's worked or the place that I work. I'm called by God to the family he's given me. I'm called by God to the neighborhood I live in. I'm called by God to the classes I go to. I don't just come and show up places. We as a people, as Christians, we are people who go. We go and we expect to see who God is manifest in these places that maybe have never seen it before. These 50 days matter for our every day because every day we got to go. We got to go. Earlier in Jesus' ministry, he kind of hits on this mindset in a, in a similar way that I think is really relevant, relevant to us. It's in John chapter four. You don't have to turn there. We're gonna have it here on the screens. But he's, he's hitting on a similar point with his disciples, with his apostles in this time where um, I think he's, he's trying to address a mindset where he's, he's shifting a mindset maybe that they had to something that he wants them to actually have, okay? So he, he starts talking about an agriculture. He uses an agriculture um, an agricultural parable example to communicate to them how they ought to function in the world. And now we're not like a highly agricultural society. Anybody in here a farmer right now or grew up on a farm like for real? Yeah, like heart, yeah, not a whole lot of us. So we don't know. So the disciples in this moment, they missed it. And I think we're, we're more likely to miss it. So I don't want to miss it this morning. Say, I don't want to miss it. I don't want to miss it. So we're in John, John 34, John 4, 35, and uh, it says this. Jesus is uh, talking to his disciples. He says, do you not say there are yet four months, then comes the harvest? Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see that the fields are white for harvest. Anybody heard this verse before? Awesome. Yeah, it's, it's a great verse. It's super encouraging. And we like to, I mean, it's one of those verses that gets you fired up. You're like, yes, God. You know, it's that verse you go to when you're not maybe seeing something happen that you want to see happen. And you're like, no, lift up your eyes. Yes, Lord, the harvest is here, right? I want to see it. We're, we're right there. I love, I love God. I love Jesus where he says here that like, you know, don't say four months from now comes the harvest. Look up, lift up your eyes and look. The harvest is ripe in front of you. He's saying, just shift your lens a little bit. Don't, don't wait. Look now. The harvest is here. And I love that word. I, I believe that word. I think that we're in it. I think that, I think that uh, people knocking on your window saying, what was that? I think that's a harvest time sort of thing. I think we're in the middle of harvest in Indianapolis. Amen? Anybody else with me on that? Awesome. I'm not alone. That's good. Harvest sounds awesome, and I think for us, especially who, who don't, are not familiar with, with the farm, I think that it's easy to love harvest time. Or maybe more accurately, it's easy to love the concept of harvest time. Because we hear, here comes the harvest, this sounds awesome. It's exciting because the harvest is here. But what we don't have a concept of, we, 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 love, con we love the concept of harvest, what we don't have a concept of is what it takes to get the content of a harvest. If no grid, harvest sounds awesome. To me, my mindset is when I hear harvest time, I think it is finally time 
to sit back and watch Netflix as I reap the harvest of all my hard work that I've been putting in. And I just get to sit in the blessing of God and finally get to take a deep breath around here. Anybody else? That's kind of my, my idea of, of harvest. But in Matthew chapter 9, Jesus is referring to the harvest again, and he, he's, he tells his disciples, he says, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. And so this is what he tells them to pray. He says, now pray that the Lord of the harvest would send laborers. Now that messes with me because laborers like labor. And I don't want to labor. I just want to harvest. <laughs> harvest sounds awesome. Laboring, though, I thought that's what you do to get to harvest so that you can finally sit down and relax, right? I heard somebody talking about harvest recently. And uh, he, he was talking about, you know, there's a difference between those of us who, 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 like we said, we've never farmed before. We don't have a concept of harvest. We think you plow, you plant, you water, you wait, you do all of these things, and then finally here comes the harvest. But the truth about the harvest is that the harvest is the hard part. The harvest is the hard part. The harvest is absolutely the blessing of God, but it's also the hard part. And our concept of harvest, our concept of growth is that it's just a time of blessing where we sit back. But the truth is that the harvest is the hard part. Jesus is saying, look, lift up your eyes. The harvest is here. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go. And I wonder if maybe we're missing some of the harvest because we're not willing to go. I wonder if we're missing the harvest because we're brushing it off as, well, it shouldn't be that hard. He's addressing a mindset. Just because it's hard doesn't mean it's not the harvest. Maybe it actually it is. Oh, it should come to me. It just, if, if God wants this to happen in my life, it'll just come. And he's saying, no, all authority in heaven has been given to me. Now go. Go take that hill. Go establish my kingdom. It's a different mindset. There's a difference between our concept of what the harvest is and what it actually is. If you ask somebody here in Indiana who is a corn farmer what harvest time is like, they'll tell you that's when they hire more people, they work the longest hours, they sweat the most, they sleep the least, and they'll tell you the corn's not going to pick itself. When I think harvest, for some reason, I just kind of picture those corns jumping off the stalk into bushels or baskets or whatever you collect those things in. And it's just like, yes, watch the harvest. It's just happening. You ever said that? Oh, I just want it to happen. If it's God's will, it'll just happen. We got to go to the harvest. We got to go to the harvest. The harvest is the blessing, absolutely, but it's also hard. And I think that maybe Jesus in these 50 days wants to make sure we don't get into a mindset where we're expecting everything to just come and then we miss the harvest. We got to have a go mindset. I think in our modern world, uh, maybe something that we say around church, maybe more so than harvest, is, is organic. We talk about things organic, right? We like organic things. We, we want everything to be organic. Anything, um, anything that is good in life right now is organic. That's like 
the total millennial buzzword, everything in life ought to be organic. Chick-fil-A is organic. Everybody knows that. Like, Chick-fil-A is not superfood. It is superfood. Somebody say amen to that. I mean, we love Chick-fil-A. I mean, it's, maybe it's not organic, but it, it, it ought to count. We want to eat organic. We want to drink organic. We want to buy organic. We want to live organic. And anything in our life, especially when it comes to our diet and our spiritual life, this is what I've noticed as I just listen to people. Anything in our diet ought to be organic. We just, everybody wants organic. And anything when it comes to our spiritual life, we just want it to be organic, right? Like, we want my, my like, attendance at, my, my, my attendance at church, like, I just want it to be organic. Like, if I wake up Sunday and I'm really feeling it, like, then it's authentic and, and organic. And, like, we want our relationships to just grow organically. Like, we don't need to make it happen. Like, oh, let's just that's not authentic if it's not organic, right? Like, if God wants to grow with me and, and be in a relationship with me, like, I just want, to have, I want it to happen organic. Like, if I got to really work, that's just not, that's not organic, 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 right? <laughs> now, don't get me wrong. I think organic is amazing. And Jesus talked about agriculture all the time, and all they knew was organic. So I think organic is God, okay? So I'm all in for it. Eat healthy. Brad Huff, every day. Keep it up, bro. You're doing awesome. <laughs> Organic. It's, it's awesome. Now, I love organic, but still sometimes I think maybe we're missing some of the harvest. If we love organic and God loves organic, why are we missing some of the harvest? Well, maybe we like the concept of organic, but we don't understand what it takes to get the content of organic. I'll put it this way. Recently, well, last year, last summer, when we moved back to Indianapolis, we moved in to this house, and it has sort of two patches of grass. One of them's bigger, one of them's smaller. They both need some work on the grass, so this year I was like, you know, I'm going to work on the smaller patch of grass, try something, get some new grass going, okay? So uh, I started doing some research. What's it going to take to get good grass growing on this part of my lawn? So I thought, you know, I've got some grass seed. I'll just throw it down. No, 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 my friends. If only it were that simple. So I started doing research, figuring out what do I have to do. So I go to the store. I rent a big tiller, which cost money, but it was sweet. I rent this tiller. I buy grass seed. I buy a spreader. I go home. I run this tiller for like three hours in my yard going like this. My arms are exhausted. I'm sweating like crazy. I'm dirt. There's dirt everywhere. Then I have to rake up all the dirt that I just tore up and get all the old nasty grass out. Then I have to scoop it up and put it off on the side of the driveway so it's not in the street or anything like that. And then I get to go spread the seed. And that was good. I spread the seed. But I'm not done. Don't be confused. I sow the seed all over this grass, and then I have, or all over the dirt, and then I go rake the dirt again to get the seed down into the dirt. Put the rake down for the second time. Go get some sprinklers. Then I got to water them every day for like two weeks. And then after about two weeks, they kind of start to sprout up from the dirt. Now, if you came to my house four weeks ago, and then you come to my house today, you're going to see some new grass. I'm like, wow, look at that grass, just, just sprouting right up. Wow, that's awesome. And I'm like, do you know what it took me to get that grass to sprout up? It's just some simple, purely organic grass. But it turns out, organic takes work. And what I learned is, and what I think we need to learn is, Jesus used agriculture a lot because there's a lesson in there that if you want something to grow, you, if you, want something to grow you have to be willing to garden it. You have to garden what you want to grow in your life. And I wonder if maybe God sowed some seeds into your life, but you're not seeing the growth and it's frustrating. Well, if God sowed the seed, why isn't it growing? My question is, are you gardening it? 
On the flip side, of you have to garden what you want to grow. You could say, don't expect to grow what you won't garden. I think so many times in our lives, we want relationships to grow. We want all these things to happen. But are, are you taking time to cultivate and garden what you do have to get the growth to where you do want to be? We've got to be willing to garden. We can't just expect the growth. It goes along with this mindset where Jesus is saying, you got to go. If we want the harvest, we've got to be willing to garden the growth. We've got to be willing to garden the growth in between. Is this making sense to anybody? Okay. I want to make sure, because sometimes I just can't tell, to be honest. I want to talk about this mindset. Because in our Christian world, we can get stuck in come. We can get stuck in easy. We can stuck, we get stuck and it'll just happen. And I think when we get stuck and it will just happen, we miss out on the harvest. And we start praying, Lord, send the harvest, send the harvest, send the harvest. And he says, look, lift up your eyes. The harvest is plentiful. Go. And I just wonder what God could do with some people in a city who really gave themselves to this 50 more day mindset. That there's more. There's more. There's more. When I got saved, it was more than just my sins got forgiven. It was more than just even God loves me. It was God loves everybody. And God's called me. And God's called me an ambassador. I'm an apostle. I'm not just saved and forgiven. I'm an apostle. I'm sent. I can go. What would happen in your workplace if every day you got, we were determined to go to work? Every day when your kids are being crazy, so I'm going to go be a mom. I'm going to go be a dad. That's hard. But I wonder what God could do with a people full of this mindset where we're willing to go. And I want to challenge you as you take your next steps in following Jesus, whatever that is, to really sit this week on this idea that you've got to garden what you want to grow. I don't know about you, but I've realized in my life there's times I get frustrated with what's not growing. I get frustrated with a relationship that's not growing, or relationships in general, relationship with God. I get frustrated with something in my character that's not growing. And the truth is, so much of the time, I'm not gardening. I'm allowing the weeds of bitterness and disappointment, unmet expectation, all these weeds that are coming up in my heart, and I'm not gardening those to take them out. God's sowing a seed in my heart, but am I spending time in his presence allowing him to be the gardener like John 15 says? Am I, am I walking with the Holy Spirit and letting the Holy Spirit water the seed in my life? Are we gardening or are we just receiving seeds? Because the beautiful thing about a harvest, if you look at a farmer, he doesn't just harvest and feed his family, he harvests and feeds a city. And that's why God has a harvest for you. You're going to eat. You'll be fine. There's more than enough to share. We got to be people who harvest. Amen? Why don't you go ahead and stand up as we wrap up our time together this morning. When we, can talk, when we get talking about um, going and doing and all of these things, I think sometimes... Uh, it's easy to be like, well, wait, what are you saying? Like, I've got to earn my, my, uh, uh, my place in God. I've got to earn God's love. And I'm not saying any of that at all. It has nothing to do with any of that. 
Because the beauty of the gospel is that it starts with come. The first thing that Jesus says to his disciples in the book of Luke, they say, where are you going? He says, come and see. Isaiah 55, he says, come all who are thirsty, all who are hungry. Come buy and eat for no money. Come drink for no money. Matthew 11, he says, come all who are weary, all who are heavy laden. I'm going to give you rest. The gospel is full. The gospel is Jesus, arms wide open, saying, come. We can't miss that. And sometimes all you can do is come, right? You're just in no shape to harvest at all. <laughs> you just got to come. The best thing you can do is you can just show up. You just showed up to church, and that's all you've got. And that's okay. That's totally fine. You are always welcome to come. You're welcome to come get something to eat in this church in any way. In any You are welcome to come. But Matthew 28 shows us that we don't have to stop at come. At some point, if we want to really step into everything God's called us to, we've got to move from only coming to also going. You've got to go. You've got to go. As we close this, this morning, we're going to go back into that song, Champion, because I think it's a great song, and I like it. But there's that part in it, he says, we're going to shout it out from every mountaintop, every tribe and tongue. And I'm not saying that tomorrow you've got to leave and go on a plane to some place you've never heard of, but tomorrow's Monday. Most of you are going to work, to your kids, to class, to something. And I want you to ask God in these final moments, Lord, what do you, what, what's the harvest in front of me? Let's be a people who consistently we get with God and say, God, would you help me lift up my eyes and see? What's the harvest in front of me? And I wonder if maybe you're even going through something this morning that's hard and you've been hating it because it's hard, but I wonder if there's a harvest in what's hard. I wonder if maybe what you're hating, there might be a harvest in it. I wonder if God's sowing a seed in your struggle. I wonder if maybe there's a, something to garden in that place of growth. Sounds cool, but it doesn't always feel good, right? We can hate it, we can get frustrated, but God's taken you to harvest. So I want you to bow your heads right now. I'm just going to ask God a question as we wait for just a moment. God, would you show us this morning the harvest field in front of us? And God, we pray that prayer you told us to pray right now, Lord, that we believe that the harvest is plentiful. The harvest is plentiful in every workplace represented, in every family represented, in every friendship, in every relationship, in this city, in this world. Lord, we believe the harvest is plentiful to go out, to be sent out and establish the kingdom of God. We believe that people are ready to give their lives to you. We believe that people are ready to follow you and ready to be sent out as well. Lord, that's what we believe. Would you send laborers to the harvest? Not observers, Lord, but would you send laborers? Would we be a church full of laborers this morning? So as we close, um, again, this might be another thing that's kind of new for you, but if you are sitting here this morning, you don't even know, have to know what it all means, but if you're like, you know what? I want to be a laborer. I want to go. I want to be a go person. I'm, I'm an apostle. I don't even know what it means. I'm taking your word for it. It means I'm sent. Whatever. If you are somebody who says, I want to be a laborer in my life, I want you to come up to the front right now as we sing this song, as we declare, God, you're my champion. And I'm going to be one that just in my life, I'm going to shout it out. Go ahead and start moving right now. If you are saying, I want to be a laborer. I want to be a laborer.
I'm ready to go to work tomorrow. I'm ready to go into life tomorrow and be a laborer. I'm ready to show up this week and be a laborer. Amen. I want to pray for you that God would fill you with the power of the Holy Spirit to work your harvest field, that he would cleanse the lens on your eyes to see that the fields are white for harvest, that he'd give you courage to do everything that he's calling you to. Before I pray one last time, I know I'm taking a few seconds here to close out, but we'd love to ask this question at the end of our services, and there's no need for it to be a secret. If there's anybody here this morning and you're saying, I've never actually decided to follow Jesus, I'd love to decide to follow Jesus. I'd love to be a follower and turn into a laborer. Is there anybody here this morning? Perfect. All right, bow your heads, and let's pray, and let's worship as laborers this morning. Jesus, I love you, and I thank you, God, for these people in the front of this room right now. God, I thank you for their heart to be laborers. God, I ask right now for the fire of the Holy Spirit to fill us. Fill us and fuel us, God. I pray that we wouldn't go and work in our own strength, but you would fill us with your strength, the power of God. Lord, I thank you that the harvest is white. The fields are white for harvest. Lord, I pray for every set of eyes that is in the front of this room right now. Would you give them eyes to see this week? Eyes to see through the struggle, through the hard part, and see the harvest. Lord, I pray that you'd strengthen their hands to work. Lord, I pray that you'd, you'd clean them off when they get dirty. I pray that you'd strengthen them when they're tired. I pray that you'd give them boldness when they're nervous. Lord, I thank you for every workplace, family, friendship, relationship, every avenue of our city, sphere of our city that's represented in this room. We declare over the city of Indianapolis that the harvest is ripe. And Lord, we are laborers this morning. You are our champion. And we will shout it out from every mountaintop, from every desk, from every changing table, from every bedroom. We will shout it out that you are God and you are good and you have overcome. We worship you this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's close our time together celebrating Jesus.